I am unashamed. What about you? One of the things from the last podcast, um, if you were watching it, you may have thought I was just looking to the heavens above as Jace was making all of his wise salient points, but I was actually, Zach, looking to a purple tail wasp that had come out of our ceiling, which is one of our summer hazards here at the lair, is they they're falling out of a nest somewhere. And so we went on a about a five minute swatting of hats, lights, and everything else before we finally got him. So even brought our sound engineer over there, Josh, out of his little cubby hole. By the way, while you're there, uh, I talked to Red, the local redneck. He works <laughs> for me, and he gave me a report yesterday, just a heads up. He said, from, from my front yard, start there, he said, about an eight-footer alligator, and lieu of watching the news, there was about three or four people killed by alligators on I've golf no- courses. I've been noticing that. So I've got my yard out there, and he said there's one big one right out there. He said there's a nothing at the mouth of cutoff. He's <clears throat> just a giant. <laughs> he said, but I've seen five today from there on up to our property. He said, I'm just saying I wouldn't be wading around out there, you know, <laughs> pussyfooting around. You know, without looking to the left and the right, because he said there there are gators on the move. So he said he got five big ones, you know, from my house to where we duck on and all, and it's hot. And uh, I'm just saying, gator. Good report, Phil. Well, keep that in mind. People are dying from alligators attacking. Well, you know, it's interesting you said that. So, because I noticed the same thing, Dad. There were two two stories this week down in Florida where somebody just accidentally fell into a pond on a golf and on course. on that day, Red was telling me about there's five from here that, well, he, look, that he saw. Sunday, well, bef- Sunday before last, we had a young man, I think his name was Seth, he and his wife were at White's Bay Road, and then they came over and met you. And so he was from Pennsylvania originally, but they had moved to Arkansas. So he came down to meet us last Sunday at church. And uh, he had a camo shirt on, so I, I knew he was probably a fan, you know, of us. And uh, he starts telling me a story. He said, yeah, yesterday... Wife and I went over to the, um, you know, one of the one of the uh, refuges in this area. And he said, "You know, it's about a five foot gator, and he's run- rushing me and running at me." And I was like, "Boy, you got to watch that." You ran the other way. He said, "Oh no, I took my belt off and wrangled him." I was like, "You did what?" And then he showed me a picture, and I said, uh, "Friend from Pennsylvania and Arkansas, we don't do that in Louisiana. When when gators run at us." We run the other way. I mean, those them some bad dudes. Well, now I don't know you. An uh, uh, alligator on land is fast as a horse, right? You, I mean, if he's chasing you, you you you're not gonna make it. So you're saying stay yeah. on your ground. Well, look, I'll tell that's you what he well, did, well, and, and he did run, it. You run, you got to run in a in like a zigzag. Well, because they can't turn. <laughs> Just now, make you, sure you zig on. when you should have not zagged. They can't Late turn? in the evening, early in the morning, we're cutting now. We're on a cut willows two or three times a week and brush duck blinds. But the places we're cutting those willows are thick, thick, thick around that little bass pond we made. And the gators are there. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's one out there. He's a big old thick thing. He's about a 10-footer. He's a bull. But I told I told Dan, I said, Dan, well, we, all we have is this, this weed eater. Said, but I'm just saying, watch where you step and just don't charge off in these thick brush here next to the water. Weed eater versus well, gator, not a good. That's, that's not a good, all that's going to do is tickle him. That's, that's right. But, Make him mad. I mean, I I saw. We have weapons every time we're there, you know, that would take care of gators, but it's against the law to well, shoot. So what's changed? Because I lived down well, here for 40 years and never saw an alligator. There's more now than there yeah. were back then. They oh, moved way up. more. From the coast. But look, so, and, and I'll tell you, another thing's going on is the shark infestation. Yeah. They've had more shark bites this year. So I'm watching on the news the other day, which I don't watch the news very often, but, and they were showing this guy who was a lifeguard who had gotten bitten by a shark. He survived. And so they had a shark expert on, on the show. And so he was going down through you know, why there are more sharks, because he said there's more seals and 
it's a big seal hatch. They've been a rebound of, yeah. of and he's sharks. Like, and he was he was telling this like a gleam in his eye. So the yeah. the announcer was like, "So you're? I mean, this is a good thing." He's like, "Well, yeah. I mean, there's more shark there." He was kind of putting the shark above the human. <laughs> you I think? Felt like. So look, they get down to the end of the interview. You can go find it somewhere because I watched. I was shocked. So the the uh, what do you call it? the anchor said. So what should what what tip do you have? Because then they interviewed. You know, they found five rednecks on the beach down there where they were interviewing. Because <laughs> they're like, "Well, I'm going out there anyway." I mean, I came down here and paid. You know, where, <laughs> so, which they they showed the you know the extreme on yeah. we're going. So then they because I know how these producers work. So oh, they're yeah. like, "Well, then ask the shark expert, what do we do when we encounter the great white?" But I was stunned at what he said. He said, okay, so if you're out there, even if you're waist deep, that's because they're, they, you know, they're, they're, they're like, you're not the prey. But if right. they see you, they they, charge they will eat you. He said, charge. So he said, what do you, yeah, he said, what do you do when you encounter, he said, well, you don't want to swim away, away from him. And I was thinking, where's this going? He, he said, you swim. You yeah, he said, he'll outrun. He said, you swim right toward him with everything you got. Hmm. And so the anchor kind of laughed. He went, no, seriously. He's like, no, that's what you do. That's your best shot. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> if that's your best shot, I conclude <laughs> You have an encounter. Here comes a great fight, and I'm going right at it. No, you know what I thought? He should have said, have you heard of a guy named Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the because that's what he was saying. That's what we he was need saying. to make plans <laughs> that's right. for the next life. Yeah, you know there was one guy that got swallowed and survived in the Bible. What he was I, saying is you're not you can't swim fast enough to get away from. Well, him. I guess that's but true. But this guy that the, the lifeguard. I mean, now he had he had lot. He showed pictures. He he pulled a Phil. You know, Phil showing his his self stabbing stabbed. But this guy, you know, one of his pecs were gone. It was gone. He was like. I mean, it, it was a pretty good chunk out of one of his pecs. And I thought, yeah. ooh, that looks painful. Oh, yeah. But he just, it was a glancing, glancing blow. Yeah, but I anyway, saw, so. I saw one that took his calf off. He just, not, you know, and it had healed over, but he just had no calf. It was just like skin and bone. Alligators, when you see, you know, numerous alligators from within a couple, few hundred yards of my house, I mean, it's something to be you know, like children playing, messing around. Down. Dogs. You know, you don't do that. Yeah, dogs. dogs. I just never have been scared of alligators. Well, I haven't either because they're not very aggressive, but still. No, they're not. You know. But you're right, Al. There's more sightings now than there were 40 years ago, although the temperatures overall has risen too. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Well, you know, when, I, when you well, drive down south, <clears throat> you get down south of New Orleans and that area, if you're driving along, even interstate, you'll see a dead gator every so often. It's oh, yeah. a lot. I'd never seen it up here until a few months ago on I-20. There yeah. was one that somebody I, yeah. had run over him, and I thought, I, saw that. I said, well, they're definitely not, they used to not be here. I now they're that here. that wouldn't kill them to, to run over them. But oh, big heavyweight. Big, big busting, truck, though. Yeah, just Well, busting. I mean, yeah, I, I saw it. But we saw, you know, we had a guy in a duck blind. I mean, we had an alligator in a duck blind. He said he was an alligator expert, which meant. He had been involved in close quarters with alligators, but I mean, he didn't go to school for it or anything. But we watched him, remember, Phil? I mean, he got in there and he was, you know, it was him jostling around. And I mean, I couldn't because it's closed quarters, but after the fight, he wound up on top of the alligators. Pretty big gator. With his he arms put, wrapped around him. He and put the tape yep. on him, and I thought, well, Okay, you you, but he said, well, that only works in close quarters like this. Yeah, you wouldn't have wanted to try this out in the wild. Most but. of the guys in South Louisiana during teal season, <clears throat> which by the way, we'll be seeing the migration of teal start. By the way, Jace, while we're there, the migration we're not anywhere. <laughs> migration of teal. We're not. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thing, we on the air. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, on the air. Are, but... uh, you're on the air. Well, to our audience, you know, we're looking out for alligators. We'll see blue wing teal by about August 15th. So we're a month out on the blue wing teal and their treak all the way across the Gulf of Mexico, that peninsula on the other side of Mexico. That's where they, they winter most of them. But they're coming. Well, we're what? Three weeks away for them to start showing up. Yeah. So well, what I was going to say is that guy said. 
The way to interact with alligators is to fear the tail more than the teeth. Mm. That's the rule. Because the tail breaks you down. Then the teeth, you know. Finish you uh, off. Yeah, yeah. The tail, though, will take you down. That's the damage. That's also the best eating on one of them. It's so out here. I mean, I've eaten them. They're mm, a little bit chewy. I mean, if I was starving. Yeah. But it's like anything else because people get offended when you say that. You can you can take anything if you have enough seasoning, and you cook it long enough. I mean, a Cajun can make anything. A Cajun cook. He took ten largemouth bass that weighed four pounds a piece, and he stuck them in the oven after he had a bucket full of seasoning and different things, and he cooked them about an hour, and they came out. Well, it tasted great. If you're around fresh water, and from from Florida all the way across to, to, to Louisiana and South Texas. I mean, alligators are something that, that you, when you have children and whatnot messing around out there, you just have to be careful. Be, well, that is your true. eyes open. Yeah. Well, kids, you know. Well, and the more you have people in the same vicinity as a, a predator, you're going to see that happen. I was in Africa years ago, and of course, over there is crocodiles, which are supposedly worse. more more fierce. Yeah, they're more aggressive. And more much aggressive. more aggressive. It's kind of like a cottonmouth compared to all other st- snakes. Right. You got yeah. four main poisonous snakes, but the cottonmouth, he's poisonous and aggressive. Yep. So the so the the Africans that I was there visiting, they took me to what they call the crocodile park. I said crocodile park. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we go out there and it's, you know, I think you, know, you think a park in America. This was just a place where there was a bunch of crocodiles. But they had some of them that were just laying on the pathway, and they would come up, and you pay, you give the guy a dollar or whatever, whatever their money was, and you could pet the crocodile. <laughs> what? Yeah. No. And, yes. And and so I was like, hmm. I, so who who where are these? Are these tame? They're all what they're what used to. What country was this? I was in the Gambia. Oh yeah. And so look, so he said, "Now don't go over there." He sh- he pointed at a pond over there, and I saw a bunch of crowd. He said, "Don't go over there and try to pet them, but oh. you can pet these." And I thought, "Well, I'm tell you what, fellas, this is my first time up from to Africa. I'm not going to pet any of them." Yeah. So and, and they would get down there and pet them to show me it was safe. And I, I had was, a buddy you know. at an alligator farm, and I asked him. I said, "Can you tame an alligator?" He said, "You can't until they, till you can't." <laughs> And I said, until well, they decide not to be tamed. That's, that's what he said. He's yeah, like, yeah, we had a few that we called pets, and then he looked around. It took you know a couple of toes off. So well, he's not tame anymore. <laughs> I said, well, that uh, that the means town no. I grew up in. So the town I grew up in was in Gainesville, Florida, and in the middle of the University of Florida's campus, there's a lake called Lake Alice, and when you're walking down the campus, and there may be a 12 foot alligator just sitting on the sidewalk, sunning. <laughs> right out in the sun. On campus. So I, I grew up, yeah, but you know, I, I looked this up. To, the, the odds of actually getting attacked by a gator is 1 in 3.2 million. Hmm. So it's not very common to get attacked by an alligator if you if you consider. I mean, we, we'd ski in the, in the Suwannee River. and 7, billion, pe- of them. Seven billion people here. <laughs> so what are the odds yeah. of getting stung by a purple tail wasp while you're doing a podcast? Can you p- plug that I'd in your computer? About, <laughs> I'd say 50 50. Because we're, we're around fighting. here. <laughs> so it if seems you, to be a consistent so problem. To, just to tie that off before we get back to Hebrews, if you see me looking around to the heavens, I'm not having a moment. I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to kill this wasp before one of us gets dope pop. So just so you know. All right, so uh, let's take a break. So one of the things that these uh, triple-digit temperatures that we're experiencing here in Louisiana, one of the things that, uh, at least for me, makes me appreciate is having some decent underwear. Uh, Tommy John's, which is our one of our sponsors for our podcast for a pretty good while, and I was wearing Tommy John's way before they became a, a sponsor of our podcast. Their moisture-wicking fabric keeps you two to three times cooler and four to five times faster than regular cotton. So the old tidy whities are a thing of the past for all of us because this is just a much better you know, pair of underwear, but especially uh, in the heat. So we encourage you to check these guys out. Uh, they, they make you feel cooler. They have Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee, uh, which is great. And trust me, you're going to love them. You go to tommyjohn.com slash Phil. If you do that right now, you're going to get 20% off your first order. So check them out. 20% off tommyjohn.com slash Phil. tommyjohn.com slash Phil. See their site. 
for details. So we're in uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Uh, is where we left off. And, and a little bit, Zach, what was it? We we were talking a little bit in the overtime. Do you remember what we said? We said we need to bring that out in the next podcast. Do you remember what that was we, uh, that we mentioned? Yeah, well, Phil, Phil had made the point. He'd asked the question, you know, this was the time period in which this was written was right before the collapse of um, the temple right. in AD 70. Um, and he was talking about, he asked the question, do you think that, that this, this is almost in a way a prophetic warning or kind of a, a uh, summation of of the end of of the old law and the um, era. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, of an era, I agree with that. And we went to in Exodus twenty five when the institution of the tabernacle happened, and um, God spoke to Moses and basically what He told him was He said, "I want you to build a sanctuary for me, th- so that I might have a place to dwell with my people." Um, and I'm I'm quoting that offhand, so I may I may have got a little off there, but. So you get into to Hebrews eight, and you start to see this whole conversation unfold. Going back to what Jay said uh, in the last podcast about John one one, which I thought was an incredible point. I never never realized that that word dwelt is is similar to the same word as tabernacle. Right. <clears throat> so the idea is that this old system that that was implemented and given to Moses was faulty. Right. It had it had faults in it, and um and what. The argument that's being made here is this thing's not going to work. But the good news is, is that God has instituted a new covenant and a new system and a new tabernacle that is the actually everything that y'all saw in the past. That that was those were all copies. Those were all shadows. The three of the, appearances, of the Chase. Three yeah, that was in Hebrews nine, where the three appearances were on why this one is better. Was he appears before us, which I think it's. Uh, it's interesting that the first one he named is the present one, which is he is now appearing on our behalf. Yep. And then he appeared on a cross yep. to take away our sin problem. So he appears now as a lawyer. He appeared as a sacrifice on the cross, and he will appear. We'll lay our eyes on him when he comes to get us. Yeah. At, at resurrection. The whole thing I mean, is that, brought together right there. Nine twenty four. That's why I jumped ahead. I mean, we can go back, you know, to what because I believe on why it's better and why it's new. I mean, I jotted down a few things on chapter eight and nine. I mean, because he quotes Jeremiah thirty one, thirty one through yeah, well, thirty four. Yeah, we're fixing to get to it in a minute. Yeah, in chapter yeah. eight, I thought we were here. Not quite there. All right, so well, let get, me let me read there, and then I'll do what All I. Right, let me read verse six because we read through verse five, but when we were talking about the tabernacle, which by the way, there was from God's perspective, there was no difference in the tabernacle and the temple. One was just in the desert where they started, and then later when they had their their own country, they built a temple that He told them how to build it to show you how mankind messes things up. And we mentioned this before. You didn't get three kings in before. The, some king decides to build the temple in another place yeah. <laughs> in, in, up in Samaria. So again, the a bigger I, one and better one, a bigger one and better <clears throat> one. And God said, I, you know, this is one place that you're supposed to build. So anyway, we get to verse six when the Hebrew writer says, but the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. And then this was a really great phrase, yeah. and it is founded on better promises, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. So, just yeah, to, that's the works to grace, right? The promises. Well, I mean, you I, that's the list I was going to talk about. Rules, why is it? Why yeah. is it better? It's internal yep. rather than external. Yep. It's uh, reality versus copies. It's written. Uh, I mean, spiritual versus written. It's eternal yeah, versus yeah. Uh, non-eternal. Yeah. I mean, that's another. It's life versus death. Correct. I mean, the first first one, what's your best you can hope for? It all ends in death. Right. It's uh, success versus failure. Yeah. Because the, the first one, you're going to fail. It, and this one is his success. Right. Another one, uh, while you're there, Jace, by the time you get to chapter 10, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. The temple was still standing. It, so that's part of this argument he's making. 
you know, pre-destruction of the temple. Right. I mean, that, that, that's going to close the deal there. Well, and again, it's, and we've made this point over and over, it's hard for people who assume their whole existence was made into a covenant to only to find out it was a flawed covenant. Plus, that because he says it, nor the, not the reality that for this reason it can never by the same sacrifices, the animals, repeated endlessly year after year, it cannot make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could have, would they have not stopped being offered? The worshipers would have been cleansed for once for all, would no longer have felt guilty for their sin. But those sacrifices are just a reminder, annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It had to be Jesus. Well, and what I was going to say, too, the Holy Spirit worked throughout the process in you know, in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit's always been here. Sure. I mean, it was hovering over the waters. Yeah. But when it got to the new one, the Holy Spirit is the process. I mean, it you it, yeah. you can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's I, the difference. I, I mean, I think that the as, as the list the way, goes on. It said it showed by this, the Holy Spirit showing by this, that the way into the most high had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. I mean, it just, it, this was a, a gigantic uh, uh, change here, Al. Shift. And that's why... The, the, it, the, go ahead. Yeah, the role of the Holy Spirit in this, to Jace's point, is we cannot overestimate the uh, the crucial importance of the Holy Spirit Ooh. in what's happening here because here's, what, here's what's happening here. Jesus is establishing himself as the one who is building the new temple pitching the new tent for the tabernacle. It's, it, he is constructing it. And we know when he refers to himself, you remember he said, you, you can destroy this temple and, and I'll rebuild it in three days, talking about himself. Right. But then when we are grafted in by the finished work of Christ, then we become the new tabernacle. We become the new temple. Well, how are we the new temple? How are we the new tabernacle? Because the point of the tabernacle was God said this, I want to build up a, a sanctuary so that I can dwell with my people. So by becoming, by us becoming the new temple or the new tabernacle, what what that means is that God is going to dwell in us. And when we say that God dwells in us, we're talking about he does that through the Holy Spirit. So yeah. if you go back and read John 14 through John 17, this exhaustive text on the Holy Spirit, when Jesus is talking about why he has to come, that's the point that Jesus is making. Well, like, plus, I'm leaving. Plus Jace but made he's the coming. Point. Jace made a point, an old point he came up with, but it, but it had a lot of depth to it. Uh, when he said, talking about his rearing, he said the only rule, and this is what the, the writer of Hebrews, the only rule is there are no rules. Yeah, well, I got that from my Christian walk. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. said it on a secular TV Hebrews show. Hebrews 8 and 9, that's pretty yeah. about what it's saying. The only rule is there are no rules. The rules made yeah. you realize you can't keep them. Yep. And, and I think you're, we, we try to put all this in a box, but it's like, because we, we break down the, the Trinity and the Godhead just because we have trouble with the human brain comprehending how this all works, but I mean, the role of the Son, the role of the Spirit. But you got to remember, I mean, when Jesus died, you know, God gave up his Son, but the Son gave up the Father, and the Holy Spirit gave up the Son and the Father in that moment. I mean, they were all working together to bring about the process in their capacity as one to function. And we've made the point before, <clears throat> I think it's probably important to mention it here, um, that even under the old covenant and the old system that was going on, faith was still seen in God throughout the process. Remember, we went all the way back to Abraham going forward. There were there were men and women and who believed of the in God. The Spirit is in there against such things. There is no law. Correct. Who who could look at you and say, "Well, what do you, what do, you do? Just go around loving loving your neighbor and loving each other." You say. Yeah, you're happy because of it, love, joy, yeah, and you have peace of mind instead of warfare in your head all the time, worrying mm -hmm. about whether you're good enough to make it. Jesus solved all of that. Right. He brought you into a system where the fruit you bear, there's no law. Right. Well, that's why it's well, better. That's why all this is better. 
Oh, you know? way better. Go ahead, Zach. Hang on, Zach. Let's take a break. So with the recent uh, rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. A lot of people out there and companies like uh, one of our sponsors, Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn as well as your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they've been on the front lines fighting for these values for a long time. And that's why they're different uh, from the other providers that are out there. Inflation has made it really hard on Americans, and thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all other major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company that's fighting for sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment, important to all of us. So check them out, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com slash Phil or 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Phil to get free activation. What's interesting about the Hebrew writer to me, one of the things that interests me rather is that he's very careful how he constructs his argument. And in Hebrews 8, when he's making the point that the first covenant was faulty you think, well, yeah, he's not, he's not constructing new material to make his argument. He actually goes back and references um, a quote out of Jeremiah 31, 31. Well, and he didn't 30, say 30. the system was faulty. He said God found fault with the people <laughs> keeping the system in verse 8. You know, good point. You see what I mean? Well, yeah, he well, says well, in verse well, yeah, 7. But that's, but, if yeah, there, that's if, a good if, point. if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. And the people representing you, your priests that you have in an earthly tabernacle, the problem is they're sinners. Well, that, that uh, I mean, that's why I'm, I think you got to say that because that that was we were actually human beings were the problem, but we needed to be reminded of that. Right. Because, like I said, that's why that's what I told in the uh, bonus time. I was like, the, the it's like the passenger getting whooped, saying, "Yeah, I just didn't didn't want you to say. I wish you'd done that to me," because we all think, "Oh yeah, well, what if there is the best of us out there who can keep the law and who can do it on his own and can perform?" It's just not how how many years do we have to be in existence? James said you stumble at one point, you're guilty of breaking all of it. I mean, it, it's a tough it's a tough way to go, Al. But go ahead, Zach. Yeah. I interrupted you. Well, no, my point is that yeah, you're right that that's the problem. The first covenant was faulty, but the reason why it was faulty is because it didn't have a provision, a real provision for sin. But I think it would be a misunderstanding for us to think that God had this first covenant and then he got through it and said, like, oh man, this isn't going to work. I better come up with something new. That's yeah, not I, how this works. I wish works. I hadn't come I mean, up with that. <laughs> yeah, he knew from the beginning because <laughs> that's why when he knew, and that's what the Hebrew writer's point is, is even in their own pro prophet's writings, uh, Jeremiah, there was a promise of the new covenant. And his point right. is, why would Jeremiah promise a new covenant that was going to come if the original covenant was was the one that he was going to build build his kingdom on? And his point is, he it wouldn't make any sense. So he appeals not to some new New Testament writer or one of the apostles' writings or or New Testament scriptures. What he does instead is he appeals to the prophets that they had already read to show them that even your own system, like do you know your own system? Even in your own system, it says that this is not going to work. There's right. a new one coming, and I'm here to tell you, here's the new one. So it's, yeah, it's pretty clever will, how, he, how he does this. I will forgive their wickedness, 812, and will remember their sins no more. Yeah, let's let's read the whole thing. So it oh, starts yeah. it starts in verse 8, and th here's the quote. This is Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord. And remember, this is said 1,500-so years, 1,000 years earlier. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. So he's taking it right back to Exodus because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. I mean, literally that initial group didn't even make it into the promised land, right? This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds 
and write them on their hearts. So it's not on tablets of stone anymore. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man, or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know. Me. Keep the rules. Keep the rules. That's what he's saying. And that's that generational passing. He said, now everybody will know because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will, and to your point, dad, for I will forgive their weakness and I will remember their sins no more. What's that next 13? Read 13. By calling this covenant new, he made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging, and here's, Dad, to your point about AD 70, will soon disappear. And we made this point in the overtime. We hadn't said it yet in, in today, that when Jesus left here, there was a, a, almost a 40-year period from his resurrection and ascension into heaven before the temple was destroyed. And you remember the mode that, the, that Paul and the others did was that they went out, and the first place they would go to in a city is the Jewish synagogue to reason with them about who Jesus was, that he was the Messiah. Yep. And I'm sure they quoted Jeremiah 31, 31 many times oh. in that process. And so I think God was showing, even in this new covenant, uh, a, a period of grace to try to get his people to see who Jesus really was. And you did, they, they didn't want them to miss it, right? Paul said in Romans, he said it so strongly, he said, I would be cursed and myself, accursed. I, in other words, I would be anathema. I, I would take my own destruction if I could save my Jewish brethren. Yep. I mean, that's a statement there. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. He said, "I would be. I would give my soul," is what he said, "if I could win them all." Which is. I mean, I just think it would be difficult. You know, I mean, it would be difficult to make that transition. Yeah. I mean, that's your heritage. That's your culture. That. Even to Zach's point about God wanting to live with people, we have the tabernacle, but he also I mean, he chose a nation. Why? He he was planning all those shadows to, to that would eventually be realized in Christ, which is oh he he's gonna he wants to live so close with people, he wants to be in you. Right. Well you can't get any more intimate than that. And, and we're that, not saying what we're saying, neither is the Hebrew writer, anything about ostracizing and any kind of hatred come up against our, our Jewish people. No, no. I mean, the, our salvation is from the Jews. It's not like they're being abandoned by God. He's just showing them a better way than they currently have. Well, because the, it included the rest of the human race. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was really, but he chose them first, and I think there's reasons for that, you know. But we can see how people for 250 years in America have they they kind of developed themselves in one little group and they say we got it y'all down and ha ha ha. But it's just really not a good way to look at it. Oh, feels terrible. It's the denominationalism of of our society is uh, is is there's a lot of things that are negative. I think that's Paul's point in Romans nine when he starts off Romans nine. He says, "I'm telling you the truth in Christ," and this was a I was mentioning earlier about that he would basically go to hell if it meant the salvation of his people. But Mm -hmm. Paul says, I'm not lying in my conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I wish uh, that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh who are Israelites. And he's talking about DNA, right? He's talking about these are people that have have the same DNA as me, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belong the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the yep. promises, whose who uh, whose are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh. In other words, when the Christ comes, he's going to like Phil once said when. When God became flesh, he became Jewish flesh, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. And he, he goes through this whole thing about setting up this argument in Romans 9, which is a continuation of the first eight chapters of Romans. Basically, they're like, I'm opening this thing up, and I'm opening it up to Gentiles. I'm opening, I'm opening up my presence to everybody. Uh, everyone's going to have access to it. Now, they, they may not all accept it, and they're not. We know that because of the parable of the sower, but 
but at least it's going to be opened up. And so I think that we see through the writings of Paul and through the Hebrew writer, there is this, they're in, they're on the same page with this whole system. It's not, it was never meant for that in the first place. The old, it was not the end of, of, of what God was trying to accomplish. It was just a means uh, to an end. A better up. way. Yeah. He made hang that on, point. Hang on, Jess. Let's take a break. He made that point earlier in Romans 3, you know, where he said, for we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Question mark. Is he not the God of Gentiles too? I mean, he was making the same point. He had just said that famous paragraph about, but now righteousness from God apart from law has been made known. Well, who's that? That, that the same point in Hebrews. Right. He, he he became the righteousness through the death and birth, death, life of Jesus, resurrection. Because then he said, because, you know, people are confused because they're like, well, all have sinned, Jew and Gentile. And then he makes that point in 24, you know, where he said, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Well, then he dealt with those sins before Jesus, because, you know, you think about all the different circumstances you can be in. Well, what if you were before Jesus? Well, how you're under a system that makes you realize I need help. I can't keep this system. Yeah. But he says God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. That's why I'm saying God is deeper than just love. He's just, no, he, he, he's well, holy, think about this. he's wise. He, yeah. And you think about this this idea that he's making in Hebrews 8 when, when he says that I, I've made this covenant with you, um, but it was a faulty covenant. To, no, I would say to your point, Jace, but to the Hebrew writer's point, uh, the, the fault was because the people that he made it with were not going to keep it. That was well, the right. fault. Of uh, you it. keep calling it. I, I'm kind of taking issue on the faulty cup. I mean, it's like no, when, he, not, when he said the, the law is spiritual. You know, remember when what does your translation say? He says the law in Romans 7, he says the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual. I mean, it was something. What is your, on, what is, on, what is your translation say in Hebrews 8 7? And, yeah, it and, says, uh, for if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But what means so the what, new American that's standard, what faulty means. I mean, yeah, what, the new American well, standard says means. it's fault. But, but, but in verse 8, he says, God found fault with the people. And w- which said, is that was the problem. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, which is yeah, my yeah point. it's still faulty because of the people. Is, which is, is my that, point. But from, I think it's the, important to clarify that is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's what but we've the said. the Hebrew writer that. also said, just remember, that all of the patriarchs and the ones who were all the, the, the what do you call it, the role of faith uh, in Hebrews, when you finally get over there, the role of faith, when all these men, the great men of faith, they were slaughtered and all that. By the time you get to, to the last part well, of chapter. Well, right, in chapter 11. When he, yeah. yeah. They were all commended for their faith, but most people don't realize that yet none of them received what had been promised. What had, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So the blood goes back in time to pick up all the ones who live by faith because they were all sinful men. They all made mistakes. Yeah. But even they benefited, and they weren't even living at the time. But the, but but God's mercy, the, that the, the new covenant went all the way back to the ones of old, Abraham, Noah, all of them. You say, yeah, boy, it brought a, them together with us. You talk about a talking about a great God, man. He yeah, it it, it transcends our our time. But uh, the, oh yeah, so Jesus, the, I was the, just the think, dilemma. Let me let me just mention one more verse before you tell me that. Because I, I was thinking, like, what do you do about 1 Timothy 1, 8? You know, he says, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. Hmm. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers, you know, the ungodly, sinful, 
you know, he goes through this this whole list, and then it says whatever is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which you entrusted to me. All right, go. So I, that, that's why I brought up Romans nine because I think the point in um, in Romans nine that Paul's making, which uh, this chapter gets taken out of context so much, and I, I think it's because we're not reading it in the redemptive work that God's doing with Israel and and opening that up for everyone. Because if you I read agree. verse if you if you read verse six, what does he say? He said it's not as though God's word has failed. Well, why would he say that? Because he's saying it, I would, I would be cursed if it meant the if it meant the salvation of Israel. But but Israel had clearly continued to reject God. That's what that's the whole point of Hebrews eight. That they the, the fault was with Hebrew or, or I'm sorry with the, with with the people. They they rejected God's covenant. They rejected God's promise. And what he's saying is, well, well does that mean that God's word has failed? His plan's not going to work. And and his point is, no, it's not that. For they are and here's why, and this is key. For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel, nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac, your descendants will be named. That is, it is not. Here's the here's the key verse, verse eight. That it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise who are regarded as descendants. Yep. So when you turn back to, to Hebrews chapter 8, where, where we had that passage out of Jeremiah, because the question I was going to ask is when he said, I made uh, verse 10, for this is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. And those days, says the Lord, I will put laws into their heart. I will write them on their, uh, put them in their minds, write them on their heart. Re- referencing you know, That's also referenced in Romans chapter, uh, was it a one or two? I'll, I'll write them on their hearts, talking about the Gentiles. I, I think what we got to understand that's is, 10. is that, that's Romans ten. Where he said, "I'll write no, it on the heart." I thought it was uh, Romans. I, I know it, it's in it Romans? Romans ten. I mean, it's like ten and uh, maybe it's. Not and he 10. says, uh, uh, "The Gentiles who, who showed that they are law to themselves because they had the law written on their hearts." Yeah, I know. I thought it was ten. All right, it's not. It's uh, let's take, it was, uh, let's take a break. Yeah, we'll look it up. I will write quick. them on their hearts. He says it in Hebrews 10. I guess that's what. Uh, Let's see here. Where is that at? I know where it is on the page. Right here. It's, it's in Romans 2. Oh, uh, in Romans 2, it says, For the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of, uh, of the law. These not having the law are law unto themselves, and that they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, their conscience yeah, that's it. bearing witness and their thoughts alternatively, alternately, alternately accusing or else defending them on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. My point is, or I think the point here is, is that, that not every, the, 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 the true Israel, true Israel is not the children of the flesh. That's not going to be the ones who inherit. That's not the children of God. The children of God are those who are descendants of the promise, not not the DNA. It's not the DNA that saves you. It's those who are grafted in because of the promise of God, which are the children who, of faith, people who put their faith in, in Christ. I think that's the point that he's getting at here in the new covenant. I no, believe I th- you're right. No, I think you're right. You can't do it. You can't do it without Jesus. I mean, when he got to Romans ten three and four, he's like, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God, which is Jesus, and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end, the fulfillment, you know, of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Right. First for the Jew, then the Gentile. Well, that's wrong. That's the name of this podcast. I'm unashamed of the gospel. Why? <laughs> it's first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, which means everybody. Yep. Right. I well said. I agree. I wanted to to return back in our last few minutes this concept uh, that he mentions in the last verse of chapter eight about obsolete, because it's something we understand. And I looked up the meaning of the of the English word. 
uh, an adjective obsolete, no longer produced or used, out of date. And then, the, of course, the verb is to cause to become obsolete, replacing it with something new, which is the Hebrew writer's point. But, you know, we understand the concept of obsolete because I was sitting there thinking about in the in dad in 40 years when you started basically the duck call business a little over the 40, but 40 years ago, we started out by filming and they had the concept in of a VHS tape. You could take a big plastic yeah. thing with the tape inside. No, no disc, no disc. First it was no computerized VHS. And so how, how many of do you watch a lot of VHSs now, Jace? You got your VCR at home and you, play your stuff. No, no. I, I made the switch on that. Obsolete. And and so we did a few of those, and then we had DVDs. Remember, we thought, oh, DVDs, that's it. That's We'll be using this for till the Lord comes back. That's true. Well, guess what? Anybody been playing any DVDs lately? No. I couldn't even <laughs> find still a watching DVD. the same shows. Now, it's all direct, you know, upload. It's a better way to watch the show. Exactly. So all in our lifetime, we had three different changes just in the way that we produced our duck hunting stuff. So we understand the concept of obsolete. This thing, though, just took place over thousands of years, which made but, it. But, I mean, to it's, be it's fair, absolute, this. It, abso it's absolute, obsolete, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's aging. It will soon disappear. It's not only obsolete, it's absolute. But what I'm saying, if you're going to use that illustration, so then Jesus came and allowed us to be, not to watch the show, but be a part of it. Yeah. Like he and us, we're, we're actually the show itself. I mean, that that's the difference. Well, and the, and the even bigger difference is this covenant is never going to be absolute. No. It's well, never going to end. This is eternal, which is the ultimate victory in the whole thing. And to your, to your yeah. point, Dad, the obsolete has now become the absolute. Oh, that's it. Which is very, very powerful when you think about it. Oh, it is. Well, I had a couple other things I didn't even get to on our list. We got our list, and then we got went, went off. But Because you know, 2 Corinthians 3 kind of mirrors this same thought. You remember when he gets to the end, and he's like, you know, he takes away the veil and because yep. basically the law was a way to cover up your sin. I mean, I'm being coy there. But, and then when you, what, what is the better promise in Christ? Well, he atoned for it. He took it away. He remembers it no more. Mm. He, so the law exposed us as, as sinners, but the, what Jesus did, not only acknowledged that exposure, but then, forgave us and extended his grace and so that we can say you know the power that's been done in us of transformation all the benefits of having your sins removed was done through jesus i mean that that's when you look at the difference on why this is better i mean that's no uh, that's a, <clears throat> that's a good point in the second corinthians 3 and 4 i hadn't thought about was paul in those texts uses the idea of the glory but he's still talking about the two covenants. You know, under one covenant, the glory faded because when Moses would get away from God, the glow that was there would begin to fade. And he was like, people will realize that this isn't, this isn't going to last. No. Then he talks about yeah. the new covenant where there's the, the glow never fades is, is basically. Well, I, I'm, I went down that road because he said, this is founded on better promises. Yeah. So everywhere... That transition yeah. is discussed in Romans, Second Corinthians three. You start looking at it, it's like, no, that that's better. I I actually, because we talked about. Uh, I'll, I'll give you this illustration. This will be a good uh, teaser for what for chapter nine that we'll get into. You know, next time. But you got to remember when we get into the details of what this temple worship entailed and the priest going going in there. You know, legends came out, not recorded in the Bible, but of these poor fellows who would go in there once a year, and they would put, you know, bells on their on their uh, head. And because, get a rope on their leg. Yeah, and, and tie a rope on their foot. And you're just like, what are they doing? Because if that bell wasn't, wasn't dinging, they thought, well, God said, you did something wrong. Buddy. <laughs> and look, so so then the other priest can't go in there 
So they had pulled him out, dead man, him out. man down. <laughs> so, so what it made me think was is we have a mutual friend, and y'all are all gonna know who it is when I say this, because he had a really rough past. You know, the Lord, he he had this. You know, he came to the Lord, and uh, it was a great transformation. And but every time you'd see him, and you'd ask him how he was doing, he'd say. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> but you know what made me think in this moment? Well, we we really, that's a bad response. Because the old law, that's what they were trying to do. Yeah, they were basically trying to survive. If I would have studied Hebrews more the way I, we have through this, when he said, I'm just trying to survive, I, I, would, I would say to this day, well, you need to focus on the new covenant. Yeah, because yeah. that that survival has happened. You know what you should have said? We're not just surviving; we're thriving. <laughs> that is do the difference survive, between, or do that, you want to thrive? That is I mean, and that's the big difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Is one is yeah. about survival, and one's about thriving. You know, uh, that's but, why Second Peter Second Peter says yeah. this: that uh, we are participators or partakers. To your point earlier, Jace, yeah. of the divine nature. I mean, it doesn't mean that God's, God's power is not still there. And look, when we read in chapter 9, there are some things you're kind of like, ooh, that's kind of scary. I mean, because God is God and we're not. But, I mean, he did all this so so we could be saved and we could be confident and we could draw near. I mean, he, he talks a lot about confidence. And so there is a transition and there is a reason it's better. And... I'm glad to be a part of the new covenant. <laughs> I am too. I got a verse I'm going to read, but I'm going to do that in overtime. Uh, that kind of goes to the point you were just saying. So if you want to follow us over there, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.